Fucking apocalypse. This is state of the game. Ooh, much like the song that played as I walked down the aisle, we're burning down the house. This is the mid year show. And I am your faithful host, Dano. My mental illness built this empire. God damn it. <laughs> right. That's right. This is the same, the same crazy fucking tendencies that got me turned down for jobs and stifled my guidance counselor got me here. Uh, so I'm very happy about that. Um, so we, my co-host, uh, we're very lucky to be joined by every week. Uh, insightful, analytical, but the movie Vampire in Brooklyn was based on his life. Uh, very <laughs> to just have his knowledge base here. Um, it's a really cool vampire who's changed his style over the years. Okay, thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Yep, yep. Um, and we we are lucky to have somebody who is uh, a master chef of records, right? Mm. Like a chef, like he's seen every part. Of the turkey, right? We're like we're talking about somebody who produces at a high level uh, for Brzezowski. My son has seen him live. Um, yes, I told my son I was talking to our guest, and he said, "Oh, he's great," and so you know, he's just really excited. So he, he produces, he plays, he's played in bands, and uh, mixes, masters, knows. All the elements of a record, and so we—that is a great, a great mind to have with us uh, to talk about 2023 and what is going on in 2023. Uh, so, C. Muddy Burns, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Really glad you guys asked me to come along. There have been a ton of great records this year, both inside and outside hip hop, and so. Super excited to talk about some stuff with you. I'm very excited to have my new Dipset hat for this journey. <laughs> I am so <laughs> happy to have gotten uh, this, and 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 I hope I hope everybody enjoys the. Uh, so, I, this is you know, and the cool thing I have to I always said, like Sea Money Burns has haunted me uh, throughout this free music empire journey. I don't know if I do it. Wait, I, when I started doing interviews, one of my very first interviews was Alaska Adams, who was like, you must know C-Money Burns. And then one of my very, very early on was I Alive, who's like, you must be friends with C-Money Burns. And so everybody started just telling me that I must know C-Money Burns. And I was like, who in the fuck is C-Money Burns? Uh, <laughs> you... I always said that if I was ever talking to you, first question has to be, you you took one of the most unique sounding albums that I've heard to the finish line. I have to ask you about Blue Edwards. Yeah. Blue Edwards sounds mm -hmm. like nothing else. Like, 
Nothing else Small Pro ever made. Nothing else Castro ever made. Now it's a singular record. It's a singular record with yeah. a singular sound. And you you did the mastering, right? I did, I did. Uh Pro produced and mixed that joint. Um I, I, you know, I've talked back and forth with him a bunch just about sampling and production stuff, just because he has such an idiosyncratic style, but such a music style, musical style, and he just uh, listens so closely to stuff. Um, the and the way he layers chops is just not like anybody else, especially on that joint. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like, I've I've studied music, I got, like, a degree in it, and I play some instruments and stuff like that, so a lot of times in the role of, like, helping people finish a record, I kind of tighten the tuning of stuff, or if stuff's, like, out of key or offbeat in a way they don't want it to necessarily be offbeat, I kind of nudge that stuff into place, probably more on, like, a mixing level than a mastering level, but, like, um, Small Pro's sample choice production and mixing is like a like a dude who's been in a band forever that plays all the instruments like that record in particular musically there's some really weird progressive stuff going on there that is not like cut to like a four beat grid it's not mm -hmm. cut to like all down beats like boom bap that sort of stuff like you can nod your head but the counts on it are really weird and that um Castro could come at it in the direction he did. I mean, his raps are great, but, you know, most rap producers kind of produce in a common time signature, four yep, chords, yep. like a bap sort of beat. And so he can flow up and down, backwards and forwards over a 4-4 four, four beat. And it was just, to me, it was really, I guess, ear-opening to hear his talent, to hear him just, like, jump right on something that was in 9-8 and just, like, wrap his raps to that so they cut perfectly on the bars. Or sometimes he would go against the count and do, like, a polyrhythmic thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, you know, a, a lot of music is math, and I'm a, I'm a big math guy. I'm, like, a super nerd. I live on a grid, and I look at, like, graphs for music shit all day long. And just um, the level that they came at it was, like, the level of, like, seasoned jazz musicians who had just cut like a million records so i didn't actually have to do a lot for that it was really like the mastering end was more just kind of like uh getting stuff to sit at a, a similar level so you don't have to like make any adjustments to volume between tracks like if they were mixed at different times wow. stuff like that so it was really just kind of tightening it up uh getting it at like broadcast level loudness but that, that's like a self-contained thing that small pro did and castro did what he did on it hope that so you, answers your question no they, i mean i'm sure each project is different and you kind of have to figure out what people want to do right what the mission statement is yeah and, yeah yeah with that album what you the, the mission statement was 75 percent there and so you were you just had to carry it to the hundred. Well, you know, it was like talking about the source material, talking about like different prog rock records and library records, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Because like when when I get into a record, like like you said, you want to get inside somebody's headspace, and that's like my yeah. favorite part of a record. I've I've been in like a million bands, and 
one thing I always love is like seeing how someone else lays out a song and then understanding it from that level and then being able to look at the elements from there and see how I can kind of help it along. Like pretty much every band I've been in, I've played like a supportive role as like a multi-instrumentalist. You know, I toured oh. with a band once and I was playing bass, vibes, roads, marimba, and I had two timpani. So it was like whatever sound was needed. So, um, I, I love getting a new record with all the tracks and just laying them out and seeing how somebody put something together. In the case of mastering, it's more talking back and forth about what my process is and what they want to get out of it. Um, yeah. You know, especially in, in the rap world where a lot of creative decisions are made that are, like, against the grain of the way rock dudes do it. Rock dudes generally want, like, the most pristine, biggest, high-fidelity sound with no static, nothing out of tune, nothing wobbly. But, like, rap production is very different. You know, uh, songs live inside kind of a sonic world. Like a sample, you know, the crust on the sample gives it some flavor. If you take that out of it, it's going to sound weird. Or the drums aren't programmed to a grid because you don't want to have, like, stiff raps. You want to have a little bit of push and pull, like that Dilla time sort of thing, where, like, rock mm -hmm. dudes are going to hit the grid button where everything falls on on the downbeats and upbeats um so discussing mastering for rap records to me involves more than discussing uh what i'm gonna do when i do rock records or other stuff that's like more fidelious to the recording you know we talk about influences a lot i always ask people to send me as many references as they can for it like, yeah. I love studying for a record. You know, I like to get, like, a list of 10 records to check out and then listen to songs from the record I'm mastering in between and just see where that person hears that influence in there and try to pull that out of it, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, when you, it's interesting to think about because when you're talking about the, the final product of how albums, rap albums sound, you can go <laughs> anywhere from RZA to Justice League right in terms yeah. of of how clean it is um you know yeah so it's it's different to me i like it because i i feel like um rap as a style is like a real general umbrella term and it's like a launching off point for so many things that go in so many directions where you know, in, in the doc you sent out for the show, you were talking about rock kind of losing chart prominence. And I feel like yep. that's part of it is like guitar, bass, drums, and some white dude yelling like it it dominated for a while. But you can only do so many permutations of that before you kind of hit the limits of it. And some people went really far out with that. But I just I feel like hip hop is a more mutable style and it can take on more and output more. You know, I just, I feel like in terms of creativity, it's, it's like jazz, it's like limitless. I mean, yeah. pop kind of brought jazz back to life, you know? Yeah. And now like jazz dudes are incorporating hip hop elements and stuff. You've seen like right. a, a re resurgence in UK of the jazz scene because of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And, and I think you, it's, it's an interesting idea because we, we've talked about this on the show. I think rock music became too nice. I think everybody started just kind of sitting around each other and being like, I like the national. I like the, and there was no, there's no static. There was no movement. 
right? Like, what was it? I think Bill Simmons said something like, when statistics took over baseball, it killed the arguing, which which hurt baseball, right? Because you need the argument. And, like, hip-hop thrives on the argument. You know it, what I mean? If somebody gets popular, somebody's like, fuck that guy. I'm going to do the opposite of that guy. And then yeah. it becomes a big deal on the other side of it. Um, and that doesn't happen in rock anymore. You know, I would draw a big dividing line between overground and underground rock. Overground yeah. being kind of mainstream chart stuff. I feel like just like with hip hop, you know, we've talked about how there haven't been any like number one hip hop hits this year. Yep, yep. First time like twenty years, but I feel like both rock and hip hop. There's a big dividing line between overground and underground, and it may not be apparent to people who listen to it, and it may not they may not care so much, but um, I feel like the people making music in those scenes are doing it for very different reasons, mainstream and underground sort of yeah. stuff. You know, for the rock stuff, kind of kind of losing its balls along the way, at least mainstream stuff. Um, some friends and I, some Westbrook friends and I were talking about it recently, and um, we're a little older, like mid-40s, I'm about to hit 45. But, you know, in the early 2000s, there was like... Uh, this like garage revival scene yep, yep. where like you know the strokes the hives the yep. white stripes the black keys the this the that and that yep. was really when like indie rock had reached the mainstream but then it turned around and started looking backwards only like it was like retrogressive you know it lived entirely inside records that were made 30 years ago and didn't do anything that they didn't already do better Yep. Like, why wouldn't I just listen to the talking heads, you know? Right, right. And to me, that was really when, like, mainstream rock kind of lost its nut and sort of started falling off the charts. You started seeing, like, uh, a lot more, like, pop star type people come on the charts. And then the hip-hop has dominated because it just, it had more energy, like you said. It had more fire. Um, and, and I, I, I just the fans, I, the fans, like... Hip hop fans, because hip hop is like a, a culture that grew under an evil thumb, right? It grew. Yeah. If you're a hip hop fan, when we were growing up, it was not necessarily good or safe to do that. Um, you, you know, you got you got a talking to from people, right? Oh, um, I mean, I was in like punk bands in school, and I, I was like the only dude who liked hip hop stuff, and I couldn't talk about that with with my other friends. They were just not into that at all. So, because it came up under that, people are very protective of it. And so, like, I, I thought about this. Was it Wolf Mother who just keeps doing Zeppelin over and over again? Or was it Wolf Parade? There's two I mean, wolves. I think uh, it's it's that whole, like, trip metal genre, which is really just, like, Zeppelin through big stacks. There's all <laughs> these fans, that, that, and they keep getting good scores, reasonably good Condi Nass sevens, right? Uh, yeah, and yeah. But they're just doing Zeppelin again. I, like, I agree you know, a thousand percent. If they were hip hop fans, hip hop fans would be shredding this. Like, fuck these guys, fuck yeah. this. Don't do the same sound for thirty years. But rock fans are like, okay, I'll listen to some big Zeppelin. Well, you know, I I might counter that with a little bit of what we were going to get into later with okay. the style of a someone like the Alchemist. Who... Oh yes, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Do you want me, you want me to save this, or you wanted you want to? <laughs> get... 
No, we. I think. I think we got to save that. I think that's a good one. Um, okay. Okay. I think it's a good I'll one. Sticky that for later. We, yes, that's a teaser for the, the later. Uh, <laughs> hang in there on the show. Okay, sorry, we've been we've been dominating this thing, but like um, setting the setting the, the the tree here. Do you have any questions for Seamuddy Burns about what Seamuddy Burns does or how he approaches it? Uh, I'd like to know when you hear a record for the first time, uh, like blindly, I guess, with no context. What are you listening for on like a first listen? Um, honestly, I, I try to not listen like super close, you know, I'm not trying to like be like, what are the elements here? Is this sample based or is this synthetic? Is that an 808 or is that a loop? I'm not trying to pick it apart on that level because to me, music hits, good music hits on a visceral level, just like, you know, like say the, the painting you have behind you. Like, I don't need it explained to me to have it appealing on a visceral level, the way those two colors work in kind of a complementary fashion. You know, an explanation later on or taking a part of the elements might improve my appreciation. But for me, I got to just feel a record. Behind the, the camera here, I actually have like uh, two big sets of speakers, a bunch of sound stuff. Um, and this is like my favorite room to be in in my life. I've had it calibrated mm -hmm. by an acoustician. So when I get a new record, I get high, I shut the door, I pop it on and shut the monitor off and just sit and listen to it. I, you, you know, like you should just let mm -hmm. it wash over you. It's like an ideal listening setup. I don't have any neighbors on either side, so I can crank the shit out of it. And I just want to hear it as it's presented, as the person made it, like the raw naked art right there. Um, you know, generally when I master an album, I listen to it probably between 12 and 20 times before I touch anything on it. I listen to music obsessively, like all day long. Um, but yeah, the, the first listen is always just kind of a visceral gut level sort of thing. And I like to do the whole thing at once to kind of get it as a concept, like the far reaches of how it goes. That's awesome. That's a great point. The uh, we we should talk about the the complex article. Yeah. The um, the because it, they had this big thing where it was like for the first time in thirty years, no hip hop album has been number one, and it they it, the tone of it was very much like um like one of those old baseball movies where the baseball player the old baseball player takes off his hat. Waves it at the crowd, and it's like you know, luckiest man in the world, and then goes retired. That's like, it's a very silly thing. Uh, but I had, I people have been asking me about it, and I have my own stance on where things are. Uh, I put it in the breakdown, <clears throat> and I was going to read that as a prompt. Uh, my take is, is when discussing the sales success of a musical form, we are discussing its cumulative health, which has to be a mixture of popular and underground. So underground indie has a role to play. That's to push the creative envelope, right? Provide new ways to create that the popular artists can ultimately borrow from, uh, water down a bit, you know? The popular space has a job just as difficult, namely to galvanize the world 
at its best, popular rap speaks to generations around the world. As talented as folks like Baby Tron or Young Boy Never Broke Again are, your mother doesn't care about them any more than Ka or Billy would. In my opinion, hip-hop subgenre itself out of the spotlight. Drill has drilled itself so deeply into itself uh, that you need a tour guide to find it. Uh, Griselda is making music sampling the same sounds in the same song structure to fans who just love that sound and song structure. Uh, the worlds are so separate they don't touch, intermingle, or generate community or financial impact. The limited vinyl drop exclusivity game has an overall narrowing effect on who knows who or who cares about it. So, I mean, you and you can see this just all up and down the line, right? Like, I remember Lloyd Banks dropped an album this year. I'll just never forget it, man, because there was right off there was somebody, there were a couple people who were like, album of the year, no problem, it's done. And I was giggling, like, no one's going to even remember this came out, dog. Mm -hmm. No one's going to even remember this happened. Like, because Lloyd Banks exists on such a narrow spectrum of the of the universe that you're you're fooling yourself. You if you think a lot of people are even going to remember it came out. Mind if I jump in? Oh, go ahead. Um, you know, I, th I think there are some contending factors to think about here. You know, um, to touch on what we were talking about earlier about like rock kind of falling out of favor and hip hop coming to dominance. I mean, part of it is a change in the culture. Part of it is kind of like the spread of hip hop. It, it you know, it, it kind of happened a little later than rock. So it took a lot longer to spread to the mainstream. But also the way record sales were counted was different. Um, somewhere in the 90s, a system called SoundScan was enabled at record stores that um, counted every record sold. That used to be kind of kind of averages and what the record companies themselves reported. But and that was the way Billboard gathered the numbers. But they came up with the sound scan system in the 90s, and then it turned out that even though rock records were the most played on radio and the most requested, there were all these hip hop and R and B and soul records that weren't being counted because the the white reviewers and white editors of Billboard didn't give a shit about that stuff. So that's part of the, the change. But with hip-hop becoming more dominant, then it started to climb up radio a lot more, and it was like a cumulative effect on itself there. But I feel like what you're seeing now with, like, Complex kind of crying about hip-hop not being number one, uh, mm -hmm. part of it is they're called Complex Hip-Hop Magazine, and part of it is like making people click on stuff like, oh no, is hip hop over? Is it done? Did they can they not make rap anymore? Um, they like that stuff. But um I think that it overlooks that hip hop has matured into having like a real overground and a real underground where there was a lot more a lot more commingling and a lot more people coming up from the underground to the overground earlier in hip hop. Um, I feel like it's been stratified a lot more because, yeah. like, 
once you make it from the underground to the overground, some people never look back and never want to associate with the underground anymore and start doing celebrity shit and endorsement deals and appearing on other people's albums. So it has that like rolling effect where the two scenes kind of diverge from each other. So <laughs> I think that that's a big part of it. But, you know, much in the way uh, we changed the way we counted records with SoundScan, the way we count records with streaming and streaming sales is real different. And that's really impacted kind of the, the I guess you'd call it like the balkanization of the charts. It's no longer just like top 10. It's like right. hot country, hot urban, adult contemporary, you know, fast movers, you know, metal. Uh, there, there isn't like the, the overall top 10 chart is such a melting together of that stuff that it doesn't make sense. You can't really tell what trends are. So hip-hop not getting a number one on there, to me, is really almost meaningless, and it almost supports the idea that hip-hop is like a mainstream form and here to stay. How do you feel, Kay? I mean, I... I, I I think, you know, we've been discussing this for like years now. And, and to me, what really, I think what really stands out is that, I mean, what was, I'll, I'll ask you guys, what was the last, I guess you say, could say important hip hop record from the mainstream that you, you've recognized, that you would recognize in like the last couple of years? That can't, I, and I would say, and I let me add a caveat to it, came from someone new, came from like a fresh source. Um, so, it's, yeah, go ahead. So my here's my problem, okay? And here's my problem with the article, right? Okay. Morgan Wallen has dominated a lot of 2023, right? Yeah. But the first few months of the year were completely dominated by Scissor's album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. wait. What is Scissor's label? Top Dog. Right. That's a rap label. Like formed by people from Compton, right? Like is legitimately like so. Yes, but, it's a rap album. SOS is not a rap album. No. But it certainly is inc it is in the within the family of hip hop, right? It is I mean, yeah. but our R and B has really I mean scissor I would consider scissor to be R and B. Yep. But but R and B has kind of transformed in the pop in a lot of ways. Yep. As in I mean the the fine line between like you look at like a Ariana Grande, SZA, uh, Doja at times. Right. Uh, that that's all in it. Yes, it's influenced by hip hop, but it's also pop. Yeah, there's people on my list. We will see who can rap and sing at a point at a high level at both ends, where it's you're you're like, what kind of album is this, right? Uh, and that's okay. Like that's that's where we are, right? We're stretching yeah. boundaries and all that. But like to to the point that that Mr. Burns brought up uh, is how what my mind goes is how much does it matter to be number one at this point? 
since the streaming numbers are the streaming numbers and you're getting fractions of a penny, right? You remember when I we talked about this little when little Lucy Vert took over the world, right? Yeah. With and that was an incredible album, right? And that was a young face, and that was something we were all happy about at that time. Um and I remember they like you know, 30 billion streams or whatever. And he, he made like you know six million dollars. I'm like, really? So back in the day, when you sold a million copies, that meant you sold a million copies of something for $13 or $15, right? Mm -hmm. And that was like, boom, there's literally money translation, there's points on that. There's some finer points to that. Right. Uh, Usually for those records, an artist would be paid in advance for the studio. Yep. They would have to pay back that advance, but it oh, would yeah. only be paid back at about a nickel per copy. Right. They also had to pay for like the breakage and the distribution. So most mainstream albums that were big enough to have national distribution, the artist was in a huge hole right, right. out of the game. And a right. lot never even filled it. A lot of famous people never even filled the hole. No, and and but that and I, I wasn't trying to say that the artists were living it up. I was you know, the industry had real fuel behind it. That's why you had million-dollar video. Yeah, the record company made a lot of money off right. the record. They, Artist, and, not so much. And that's why you got advances and, and cool stuff. That I think at this point, indie hip-hop is much more into where's the actual money, right? Like, uh, you remember Chance. When Chance took over the world, they asked him, like, you know, where did you make all your money? He's like, I made it on this three hat. Like, uh-huh. three hat made him millions of dollars. He didn't make it off the music. Um, so, how much does it, how important is it to be number one? It's still important, but it's probably the least important it's ever been. I mean, I, I think it's more important to cultivate an audience that likes what you do and is going to follow you where you go than to be the top of everyone. You can't please all the people all the time. And if you do, you know, like McDonald's sells the most hamburgers. I, those are not yeah. the best hamburgers, you know? And and Rock Marciano's never really charted, right? Like not in any big... I mean, right. that guy will be able to make records the rest of his life with his built-in audience because he cultivated a sound and people go to him for like a real particular thing. And he sells products exclusively and he, he makes money that way. And so like, and, and touring and all that. So like, I don't know. I don't, it's just, it doesn't, being number one is the least important it's ever been. The numbers are less relevant than they ever yeah. were. I mean, uh, to me, there, there, there's a clear distinction nowadays between, and, and maybe this is how rock evolved as well. There's a clear distinction between the art and the commerce. Uh, so I, maybe the business model of mainstream hip hop is, is kind of not kind is broken, but I mean, I, I think the, in terms of as a genre, in terms of as an art, I think hip hop is in a great place. Right. And, but, and if, and Hey, if they cared so fucking much about who was number one and praising success, they'd all be talking about Carol G or fucking bad bunny who are killing shit. But they're not because those people speak Spanish, right? So don't get it fucking twisted. The people 
that that are writing these articles about the fall of hip hop are specifically ignoring Carol G, Bad Bunny, Spanish speaking artists. They can't wait for hip hop to fall so they can replace it with something a little less black. Uh, you know. I, mean, I do think country is on the come up. I've been hearing a lot of rumblings about from from a lot from a lot of different sources or P I should say people regarding the appeal of country music. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I agree a thousand percent with that. Um, con newer country has started to integrate a lot more of like uh, urban production techniques. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. more obvious auto tune going on. The drum patterns have changed a lot. Like country kick drums are fucking huge now, and you used to never be able to hear that shit. And they're doing stuff on the downbeat. They have like boom bat beats under country <laughs> stuff. And then, you know, you get, like, a little Nas X. Like, um, to me, the the music sonically is not, it's not my bag up my alley at all. It's a, ma a mass of too many things. But the way he disrupted the country world and made them look at him and what he was doing, he really opened up the form for people to do some weird shit with it. I don't like how any of it sounds, but I cheer them on, and I think it's great that they're doing it because that's a really... That Nashville world has been real, like antiseptic and corporate for a long time. Oh, so you yeah. get shaken up a little bit is is kind of cool. I hope that some cool underground stuff comes out of it. The perfect description of the Nashville effect of it. I was, I would also add to that, Kay, the Musgraves effect, right? Yeah. Like Musgraves was so important that she influenced uh, one of my one of the most interesting Vampire Weekend albums I heard. Right, I love that album. Mm -hmm. And that album's all like post Musgraves, like trying to capture the warmth and richness of her kind of country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she she opened a studio after hitting it big and stuff. I actually right. recorded drums there for for a for a metal record of all things. But That's um, awesome. you know, that was someone who begat their success for like other musicians to take advantage of. Really paid it back, and someone who is seemingly like real mainstream and antiseptic, but so much crazy underground stuff has come out of there. Yep. And she's done songs in Spanish. She's done like really wild choices. She's, she's done, she's challenged herself, which is to me, that's it, right? Like that's where that's the success mark. Uh, I don't care if you're pop or underground. I, I want you to be someone who's good at growing. You know, and, and, and someone I can trust. Yeah. Well, someone who, like, challenges kind of accepted norms. I mean, that was my thing with Lil Nas X, was just, like, anything that gets old white people that pissed is fundamentally good. Yep. And, like, bringing, like, Satan and dick riding to the old uh, Grand Ole Opry, that was just, that was a ballsy move. Very, very punk rock. Um... And uh, so before we launch into lists, right, I wanted to give some time to records that were disappointing to me. Um, you know, I don't write a lot of negative reviews, Kay. I don't want a, I don't want people out there thinking I'm a nice person. I'm not a fucking nice person. Um, I, I do my best at it, but I'm not that way. So let me go for it here. Uh, Steve Money Burns ripped somebody earlier this year. 
Uh, Ives Tumor. He called him a fake rock star and all that stuff. Um, and I was, I love the last Ives Tumor album. Uh, I thought it was really cool and had real like energy to it. Was it called, might have been called Safe in the Hands of Love? Maybe in 2018. Uh, but this new one, and it's got a really long name. It's, it's, I, I, you is calling it useless might be too nasty, but it's, it's, it's barely even there. It's, it's posturing and posing, and there's nothing fucking there. It's a mirage. Uh, you step through it, it's nothing. Uh, and that sucks. Uh, I, I really thought, like, and I really still hope that there's stuff there, right? But there's sometimes people that live in that, not just rock, but the experimental rock, alt-rock world, they live in a place where they're, they're almost like bad magicians. You know? Yeah. They're just like, they're like, ooh, watch this trick I did with the reverb. I'm like... But this song isn't shit. Like, I don't care. Uh, and that that record is real guilty of that, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Uh, do um, you have? Any, go ahead. If you want to say something on that? Bill. Um, I'll keep it brief. Um, because uh, I, I'm I'm trying not to rip on shit so much. But this one for me, like, um, I I keep lists of records to check out. I have like more records saved than I'll ever be able to listen to. I still have like 5,000 CDs. So like I had the last Eve's Tumor record saved and I saw all the features. I saw all the credits and I was like, shit, he's got like this guy and that guy. This song title references that, you know, it just seemed like a super like arty affair. Like it was going to be like genuinely weird. And then this new record came out and it jogged my memory. And I was like, oh yeah, that was that like, like real arty dude and had like a bunch of people on his debut record. So, you know, it was good. And then I pressed play on it and it was just like, I don't know. It's like being like in the early 2010s with like like Block Party and Interpol and and that sort of stuff. It was just like goth rock is what it sounded like to me. And as a goth dude, it didn't jump over the bar of of a lot of goth rock I like. Um, it just made me think of like yeah, like uninspired Block Party or like some of the backing of Marilyn Manson like with different singing. Uh, you know, like, some of the sampling was real good. Like, there's one track that he samples this is super obscure band that mm. I spent a lot of money for a record on. And it was cool to hear that. And then to just hear, like, a shuffly, sleazy rock swing come in over it. Like, I don't know. It just didn't do anything to me. It was really underwhelming, given all yeah. the bona fides, you know? Just kind of a nothing and, burger. And Eva as Tuba has so much energy and so, like, is such a cool front person that like there just has to be more there um and yeah the the other person and this you know i don't expect anybody to come with me on this anwar high sign who used to go by Haslow, dropped a new album called whatever it takes um and it's it's frankly not enough like Haslow is an amazing talent uh yeah. nick marsh uh came on right Folk, yeah, and was like, 
you know, talking about EPs and brought Anwar Highsign's EP from last year on. It was quite good. Uh, this is the first full-length album from him in years. Uh, and such a talent. And there's nothing new going on. And it's an album that's below his talent. I've been listening to this person for years and years and years. I I really love this person's talent. This record does not do service to it. Yeah, it, the first time I heard him was at like uh, one of Uncommon's Yule Progs in like uh, 2013, 2014. Somewhere back then yeah. we played. But I, you know, that was the first time I saw him. First time I saw, um, oh God, so many people. First time I saw Zillarock and I was just like right. blown away by everyone there. Everyone was such high quality. It's it's sad to hear that it, that that joint didn't work out for you. Do you know if it was self-produced or who produced it? Ugh, I can't remember, but it was, it just, I've listened to it multiple times and I forget that I put it on. It ends without me even remembering that I listened to it. Uh, the production is that classic sleepy underground production. That's just listless. Um, yeah. It might've been, it might be Giallo point. Which, but Giallo points a little guilty of that. Um, it works real well with certain people, though. But like, if you're like retreading lyrical stuff and flow stuff over that kind of stuff, I can definitely see how that would be like ah, kind of hard. Yeah, it's Giallo Point who did the production, and so Giallo Point does a lot of work with a lot of people, and you'll find people who are like locked into that boom bap space. Some of the albums are on point, and some of them are just sleepy, uh, and this is a sleepy Giallo Point album. It was just not. This is not befitting of of either talent. So I don't have any more disses to levy, Kay. Do you want to <laughs> shit these people? What? No, no. Let's let's just get on to the positivity, I guess. Get it on. <laughs> so we can we can talk about this and uh we'll do yeah, I've got 25 uh projects of the year. No more boundaries between EPs and, and albums. Um, Good. Way to spend my time. Uh, so many honorable mention things that I could do, right? Uh, Mickey Diamond, you know, Nobody Bleeds Like Flair. There's so many cool projects I listened to a ton that just don't, didn't make it. You know, it's always a time like this, Def Prez. Uh, with Crash Perez and Def C. Um, yeah, on and on and on, you know. But let me go Go with this, the first five. You ready for the first five? From the bottom, 25, you know, uh, to 21. 25 is Beloved Paradise Jazz by McKinley Dixon. 24 is Brand New Life by Brandy Younger. 23 is Ritual by Stick Figure and the Expert. 22 is Masiago, Masego by Masego. 21 is Art School Dropout by Jamie Cornelia. So, um, yeah. Any strong feelings about any of those? Okay. No. So, did. I mean, not necessarily strong feelings. I mean, they, I mean, they were all solid, and I believe we talked about two, or, two or three of the records. But you know, what was 
I wanted to get into your criteria. Like when you were evaluating projects for the mid-year, did you have any criteria uh, that, you know, maybe shifted from how you listened to or viewed records last year or like, like what was what 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 was what went into the process? I would. I, so I think I think the themes, right? Like the themes and all that stuff that come to play, that really comes into play when you actually are making your list and looking at it, right? When you've made your list and you look at it and you go, "Oh shit!" Like for me, there's a lot of women on this, list, right? There's a lot of R and B on this. List. Um, and so that was like an interesting thing to understand and isolate after the fact, you know, mm. uh, and then think about where am I at that I'm, I'm really interested in like Brandy Younger. That's like a harp led jazz album. Mm. It's like a harpist, you know, uh, who's, who's all over that. And so who has, by the way, an amazing cover of a Stevie Wonder song if it's magic uh done on the heart it's, it's beautiful uh that whole, that whole record that was that was one of mine was was her record just um have you ever heard dorothy ashby no jazz harpist from 60s and 70s um brandy younger really builds on 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 what she did and really takes it like much further out than dorothy did but really kind of touches on what she did it's a real neat bridge between like past women in jazz and women doing jazz harp i mean they yep. might be the only two ones um and just really great to hear her stretching out doing it with new players as jazz has been kind of reawakened including so, some more like hip-hop-ish type elements but really getting yep. out there with some of the stuff i think really bridging the gap for a lot of people yeah yeah i mean that that's yeah so you just end up seeing common threads as you're throwing it together uh that's what's cool about making a list you trust your heart, you trust your ears, you start nominating, start organizing, and then halfway through, you're like, oh shit, like, there isn't as much pop rap on this. There isn't as much, you know, uh, Griselda on this. There isn't, you start to notice things. Mm. Um, and so, Beloved Paradise Jazz is so cool. It's such a fucking crazy album. McKinley Dixon is dope because he makes the kind of like he makes full songs and and with instrumentation orchestration and great guests and themes and like epic stuff so it's almost like you would think this is like common or j cole but there's a lot of street shit in that there's a lot of real difficult street shit discussed in that record and discussed in all those records and Dixon, it looks like this one just came out. So this one made your list, even though it just came out this month. So it must yeah. have left a big impression on you. Yeah, no, it's Dixon is like that. He's he he did the he just makes full songs. You know, makes full songs, uh, makes full themes, uh, fully explores them, and. Yeah, you can just you can hear the instruments, you can hear everything, and has a crazy flow. Um, and, and I I did a song review on Tyler Forever, 
I think that's the, that song is the key to understanding this album. Um, and it's really cool, really heartfelt and unique. And it's a it's a tougher, more practical version of what people used to think of as conscious rap. You know, more grounded in the real I world. See, uh, Teller Banks is on it. And... Yeah, Teller. Teller. I interviewed Teller, and he told me McKinley Dixon's one of the best in the world. Uh, and was like, "You've got to check into this dude." And that's when I started taking him seriously, going back in the catalog. Yeah, it looks like Gay School of Bar is on there too. And uh, oh, that song is crazy. Yeah, I got to check that out. I just saw that name pop on there, so I'm saving this to like three bits. Gay School of Vera is fun as fuck. Uh, and and so that's yeah, that song is dope. And Dixon can rap with anybody. It's it's a real cool album, and it's gonna. I'm going to grow with it. There's some of these, like Ritual just came out too with Stick Figure and the X, right? Yeah, it's on my list, but I haven't heard it. So these, this is a mixture of Art School Dropout came out early, early in the year, right? Brand New Life came out early in the year. Masego came out a little earlier in the year. Those are kind of going down as other things get released because, you know, the order keeps shuffling. And then there's the new stuff like Ritual and Beloved Paradise Jazz that are kind of, you know, trending upward. Mm -hmm. um, Ritual, by the way, we talked about Stick Figure as himself, right, Pookie? Mm -hmm. Earlier in the year, that's the most personal Stick Figure album. But this is his Black album. Oh, shit. This is... Yeah. on there, like 50 oh. million other albums this year. <laughs> that, that shit it was weird when Depsy started rapping I was like is that Rob Sonic it's the most like Rob Sonic he ever sounded in his life De Depsy approaches every song differently I love that so he's just he's always doing something different um, and he's always doing something too he's just he's like everywhere he's been in my computer a ton and I've never even met the dude <laughs> uh, and so uh, yeah I would say it, it, it's Ritual is his black album. Uh, he's he's dead focused. He's this is his legacy. He's leaving his legacy. Um, and the expert makes psychedelic hip hop, but he makes it big, big and fucking nasty uh, and fun. And it's it's a fucking he's the expert is in that camp with Mighty Healthy, where it's like. We're not leaving any potential energy in this song. Fuck that. Yeah, the drums are on 11. Yeah, we're going to fucking smash this song. And Expert is so damn smart. Uh, this was just such a great record. I just think, I've, I, you know, I was, I was playing this back-to-back -back with Michael for a while, the Killer Mike album. Uh, and I liked both of them, but I always came out with Ritual Ahead. I like Ritual better. It's it's personal. Uh, it's heartfelt. It's a little less condescending. Uh, so that's that's the way it is for me. Um, another one that you won't find on my list that I just want to be clear as to why. People are going to be like, why isn't Scaring the Hose on this list? Um, and I, I hate the mix on it. I hate the mix. I hate how it sounds. Uh, I hate all that stuff. I can't deal with it. 
Um, and if I can't get with the mix, I can't get with the album. I mean, I feel you 100% on that. I, I put that record in my honorable mentions, and that was kind of the big thing with it, is just like, I I spend like every waking moment like gauging loudness levels on songs and getting things to sit right. And that record, the final version of it, I had to like adjust my volume knob while listening to it a bunch. The stuff just comes in at different levels. Sometimes the vocals are way on top, sometimes they're way buried. Um, and you know, I get having like a like an amateur approach as kind of like a conceit and not wanting it to sound polished, but there are ways to do that that are kind of a lot more artful than what came out of that. So, there are a couple of songs on there that are fucking hilarious and really great and really big that I really like, but yeah, the overall sound is just wacky. And it's weird. I love what Danny Brown has done in this year so far. They, every song Danny Brown's on or or part of He's having a ball. He's having a ball. And it's it's great. And I love it. And I want him to keep doing it. I just want the mix to be better on the next. So mm. um Maseno at 22 um uh, is and Kay knows this. He's listened to this album a bunch. Yeah. It's it's kind of a hypnotic album. It his his groove is all over the place, and he does like my wife had to bring this one back because she was like, wait, 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 that's Tom's diner. And he did like the Tom's diner, like flow of it. And but he did a new song. It was so cool. Um, and he has moments where he does that with a few in, interpolates things and brings things in. And you, sometimes you'll miss it because it's just, it's just a really cool hypnotic album. I needed it a lot. You know? I needed it. I didn't Is need hip hop? No. 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 What would you call it? Go for it. What would you Is it is it Rex? I mean he's like the at the intersection. It's it's hip hop influence, but it's also R and B. Uh he plays, I believe his instrument is saxophone. Mm -hmm. So so it's you know, jazz ish influenced as well um he's just he's just he's just a interesting guy because it, it's all over the place it's really hard to classify what it is yeah jamaican american musician saxophone so like the genres on his uh wiki are jazz hip-hop music contemporary r&b r&b soul trap music house music yeah he does a lot of different stuff he's He's got a guitar on his cover here, and so the whole thing has no features, so it's all him. That, I, this and it's very, it's very pretty in terms of like it kind of feels like a folk album to me, uh, because Ooh. it's so stripped down that there's some, especially what was the last song is like by the fire or whatever that song is. It's uh, it really does feel just like him and his guitar in conversation with you, grooving. Like it's on. It's power to. Um, yeah, I really like that that record. I'm not. I'm never too far away from that. Um, and yeah, art school dropout. More people should be talking about art school dropout. Um, it's fucking experimental. It's cool as fuck. There's a shitload of different kinds of songs on it. 
It's yeah. smart shit. Uh, it's real. Um, and she's she's fucking smart as a whip, dude. She knows how to organize her projects. Like Jamie Cornelia should be on people's fucking radar. Um, yeah. It's it was wild, man. And and she has she has love. I'm not saying she isn't getting love out there. I just think her the people that love her aren't the people checking backwards shit, and they should, right? Like, if you like artistic experimental shit, you should be banging this shit. Because it's, it, it's crazy. It's so... How many tracks is that? Like 18 tracks. Yeah. Yeah. 18 songs, and they're just so fucking different. The beginning, you know, you get... We're talking about college debt, and we're talking about, like, <clears throat> real-life shit. And then by the end... It's just run it up. It's just it's crazy. I, I interviewed Jamie Cornelia and I told her that like that's like a Waka Flocka would could be on that song. It's just so fucking powerfully energetic that she it's like there's some she does so many different type of things and I just I just think that's that's a real fucking talent. Uh, so yeah, did any of those stick out for you, uh, Mr. Burns? I mean, really, it was like uh, the the Brandy Younger album is the one that yeah. I'm familiar with. And that one blew my mind. That was on my list. I was going to talk about it, too, because I saw it on yours. But I already blabbed about it. So, yeah, uh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I, I love her. I love everything I've heard of hers. And that album made my day when it came out. I just played it for the rest of the day and looped it. I came late to that one. I just basically hit my timeline. It was like, give me some good jazz. And Brandy Younger, you know, I think it was Rob from Next Movement. Uh, yeah, great jazz ear. So it was good. Um, my timeline is awesome. Uh, so the let's go next five. 20 is Don't Go Outside by Unruly and Clown Cat. Mm. 19, we're going to back up and let Kay in ISO talk about this one. To What End by Odyssey. 18 is Pangea by Gabe Nandez. And 17 is Rap by SD Knack and V Don. Uh, yep, and I think one more. Let's do one more. Um, Space Heavy by King Cruel is number 16. Yeah. So, have you heard "Don't Go Outside"? Uh, see my birds. No, uh, I've heard Clown Cat and Estee Knack, and I've heard uh, a bunch of Clown Cat's productions. I've seen some of the the, the Twitter hijinks as well. Uh, yep. Super talented kid. What is he like? Eighteen, nineteen, something like yes. that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Crazy young. Already getting with some like heavy hitters. So I'm excited to check out anything with his name on it. And I can't stress to you, Unruly is really, really fucking good. Um, has One of those people, that's a common thread, okay, on this list. You're going to see a lot of rappers with incredible deliveries, right? Just one of a kind deliveries. Unruly is so loud, uh, but there's so much going on. 
Uh, what do you say? Run what, DMC what? loud? Does he run uh, DMC loud? Well, yeah. I mean, that kind of like old school, like everyone in the world's going to hear this, but there's real shit there. Like he, he's not just yelling his name. Like he's just, there's, I remember the bar that really fucking stuck with me this time around listening to it where he said, they say unruly's a boy and they might be right because I know something like you can't be a man and turn to vodka for answers. I saw it was just like, like there was a whole fucking, there's a lot going on in these like lyrics. Uh, but that album specifically deals, deals with the frustration of paranoia and nihilism just incredibly well. Um, the title track is less than two minutes and it's fucking perfect. It's perfect. It, it, you know, absolutely captures the mood and flavor. And I think unruly pushed clown cat to places that he wasn't naturally comfortable. With. Clown cat has a beautiful ear for samples and like really puts together the boom bap in beautiful ways. And unruly wanted it to have a little more of like a unsettling industrial texture, you know, um, <laughs> And they fucking succeeded. I love the one side. I think it's a these these are both very young. These are all young people involved in this, and it's so much fucking better than a lot of the older, like seasoned, established guys uh, who built up a name. That's one of my things. I don't really fucking care about the name you've established. Like it's yeah. With music, I I feel like it's it's. Gut instinct. It's what have you done for me lately? What are you doing now? Yeah. Anybody can win at any point. So, but by the way, at 19K, it really bothers me. I can't have to what end higher. <clears throat> because this is such a fucking classy album. Yeah. It's goddamn classy album uh, with, with a lot of, with just, that's just fucking beautiful. Sounds every inch of it is beautiful. Odyssey has never been sharper. Um, dexterous flow. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's just hard because I, I feel like the list nowadays, it's the timing of an album really, uh, the timing when it's released really dictate, dictates, you know, where it's going to end up because it's all, it's like, Nowadays, with so much with so much new stuff being released every week, you really have to like like for a project to stand up for the whole year. It's really got to withstand. Like the way I like to think of it, it's like if there's a wave coming, there's a wave coming in every single week. You know, you know. So if your project is really gonna with you know withstand you know the test of attention or time. It's gonna ha with have to withstand a new wave that comes in every every week. Yeah, uh, okay. musical wave, I should say. And then you know, it's just some of these projects are really good. They're just not good enough to maybe withstand the way the waves consistently. And I, that's the difference. And Burns, Miss Simone Burns, must know this just from releasing music. There's a there's pros and cons to releasing at the beginning versus the end of the year 
there, yeah. there are a lot of strategies and you know a lot of people will naturally avoid like anything from like late november to like early february that's kind of a dead zone it's like putting out a movie around the oscars you know nobody does yep. that. some people specifically want to put out something during those times for reasons and some people want to buck trends you know right. because there won't be much new music coming out then if you go opposite of the trend, then yours is more likely to get heard if somebody's listening for new stuff around that. So and that that is exactly what happened with to what end, right? Honestly, released this. There wasn't much out. This was like the first really important album of 2023 um, for a lot of us, and it was beautiful and it sustained us and it was great. But like that means it's probably getting left off a lot of the year end lists. Right. If you want to be on the year end lists, you strike in September or early October. Right. Um, mm. It's just a different strategy. But that well, the, other, the other thing, though, is that if you want to get on a year end list and you strike at that time, you have to have something that is like intense and top notch. Like if you release a middling album, then it's still like you may as well put it out in January. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Um, that's just because real. you just because you plan it right doesn't mean it's going to execute right or pick up right. Right, and I I mean I think if you release something at the beginning of the year, it really is about you know what what is your marketing strategy? How do you keep it? How do you keep not only you know the project but your name? Uh, I guess in in conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's worth thinking about the strategies of people who release stuff then. Like, Odyssey is very established, you know, so he can buck a trend. He has Fonte and Bilal on this, like... Oh, yeah. Like, top-notch like, And Freeway. And Freeway. If, if you're Odyssey with that, you can come out in January, and people are going to yeah. pay attention and keep coming back to the album. Like, the number of listens on this are crazy on here. You know, it's, some of the records we're talking about have, like, a single thousand listens. Yeah, it's a beautiful record, and, and it deserves all the love it can get. Um, Absolutely. Now, Pangea with Gabe Mendez. It. I just fucking love hearing Gabe Mendez rap. Like, just incredible flow. Uh, you can go on the off top freestyle thing, smash that shit. Um, it's just. It's so fun. There's lots of themes, you know, at play on this. Uh, with with the way he kind of addresses the world and the way people feel alone, this was definitely his um, his pandemic album, you know, uh, Pangea. And there's lots of, but it's it's interesting because it it has a lot of guests. You know, um, but it's short, it's compact, um, and it's Tony Seltzer produces it, uh, and it's just real fucking muscular. You know, it, it the music grabs you, drags you, and never lets you go. You know, eight songs, longest one is four minutes and 22 seconds. Shortest one is two minutes, four seconds. Uh, it's just a real muscular ride with an incredible flow 
and you know, like a real big soundtrack. I I can't get. Does he play on it too? I'm I'm just checking him out. I haven't heard of this dude. And there's like a picture of him with a guitar and. Uh, Gabe. I don't know. I don't think Gabe does. No, I think it's. I might be looking at a different thing. No, no, yeah, it's not. No, that's you must be looking at the Masego. The, the Pangea cover is. No, I, I see the Pangea cover. There's one called Grove next to it that has a dude with a sweet. Okay. Uh, but I, yeah, no, it's it's. He was on. Um, Gabe was on Atheos with with. Uh, he was on Sauvage with with Boldy James. Oh, oh, there must be like a couple of them on here or something. There, okay, uh, yeah, I have the Pangea album now. There we yep. go. All right, I'm on the right planet. Yep. So I it's, it's uh, but yeah, Love Gabe. Uh, and what we, so rap, you know, SD Knack has really taken over 2023 with Knack saw Jim Duggan. Uh, I just think rap is better. Uh, I think V-Don does a better job giving him a unified, you know, lean piece of production. Uh, sometimes Griselda production, I don't know, feels like really simple, boring beats in fancy clothes, you know? <laughs> and so it, it they don't do much for me sometimes. Uh but and there's there's exceptions. I love conductor. I love all that stuff. It's just there's I don't know. I think V Don did an excellent job. Brap is awesome. Uh Penny Pinchin is awesome. You know. He he really just was able to flex all over that album. Um uh, it's yeah. It's crazy. Um uh, and Nax just yeah, there's so much energy. Perpetual motion. Uh, we we called him a volume puncher. We were talking about Naxxon Jim Duggan, right? He's a, mm-hmm. he's a volume puncher. He's always rapping. He's always rapping really fast. Uh, busy. Uh, but he says crazy shit. He says crazy shit, and it sticks in your head, and he has crazy hooks. He'll sing and yell. His ad libs are crazy. So he's just somebody who is unforgettable. Ends up being unforgettable. Once you've heard Knack, you never go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really dug the, the track he and Clown Cat did. I, I can't see what it's called right now, but that was what turned me on to both of them was their collab. Yeah, yeah. And he's on that. He's on Don't Go Outside with Unruly as well. So, yeah, it's... Real good. Uh, number 16K is uh, like on did, – did we put – I think Man Alive is on the artwork that is our show, right? That is like that we got for the show. Yeah. Yeah, the Man Alive album. There's – in rock music, one of the things that's really fun about rock music is there's always an unadulterated king of sadness – <laughs> and that king of sadness is usually British. It helps. <laughs> with the cure, with Morrissey, with you know, the, it, there's a real 
there's a real crown there. And I think King Cruel has to be the most gloriously, uh, like, pained person in rock music at this point. Uh, he's so good at it that his, his sad moments don't make me sad. They make me excited because they're so well executed. Yeah. I'm just like, you fucking nailed that feeling, you know? Um, but this is a real cool record. It's space heavy. It's like, it's got a lot of post fatherhood stuff. Um, and it has, man, it has some moments that are just fucking getting cruel where he sticks in your fucking head and you can't get him out. And, you know, if if only it was warmth, is just ah, I can't can't get away from it. I I absolutely love Sea Girl with Ravina, um, the fourth. That is my life. That that is yours. Oh, these songs are just crazy. It's a King Cruel just has that standard. Maybe King Cruel is like the ka of sad rock music. Oh. That's a good way to put it. Maybe that's it. I mean, I mean, they just they did a they did a great job because it's very for me. It, you know, it'd be very hard to follow up "Man Alive" because that that was a one of when did that come out? That came out pandemic two thousand pandemic, dude. Yeah, twenty yeah, uh, twenty twenty, and you know, it, to follow up that record with this record, it, I mean, that's a that's that's a huge task. And they, they did a great job. Yeah. But what were you saying? See many birds? Oh, uh, just I, I'm a, I'm an ancient goth from beyond the mist of time. Um, <laughs> you know me. You went. You were in the same high school as me. I've kind of looked yep. like this forever and acted like this forever. Um, and I love his stuff. He gets like the old goth stamp of approval. Um, it just, it hits all the right notes. Like you said, he's like sad. He's British. There's something like, I don't know. There, there's something really endearing about it. Like I normally don't go towards like super pitchy, crazy singers. I, I kind of like more of like a pure tone because I'm a music dude, but like his voice just has so much character and just kind of conveys like just this like, real deep sort of melancholy and self-hatred and self-questioning that um it's cool to hear i feel like the music kind of sculpts around it perfectly in in that car way i get that where it's kind of just like this bed for this character to kind of express it and i think maybe one of the things that sustains king cruel is how much he loves jazz music yeah, the sax on that record, I love it. It's it's placed perfectly. It just it gives it such a different feel. It doesn't feel like indie rock. It feels like some sort of like, yeah, like a crazy guy trying to do jazz. And oh, like on albums like The Ooze, he has moments where he sounds like one of those old tortured jazz singers, right? Like he he really does connect to like he connects jazz to like this nihilistic Morrissey rock to like doom jazz in this way that is very ka to me. Uh, I just, there's been times this year, okay, where I've been very sick uh, and very 
unhappy and unwell. And mm. this this was the album for that. Mm. Sometimes you get a wallow in it. Yeah. yeah. It's like the goth mantra. Just <laughs> there in pain, just like, you know what? I can't even read a book, but I can put these headphones on and I can I can go and try and doze off while King Cruel, you know, lets me know that it's gonna be okay. Um, mm. and I think that's that's the power of how miserable he is, is he know he understands you when you're loves you're, company. Yeah. yeah. Um so that's I, I love this album, Kane. I think it's it might go higher as it goes on because you know why? Because no one's going to make a record like this. No. There's no King Cruel imitators. Yeah. Right? This is I this think is, it's I think it's hard to do what he does and be good at it and that's why he's exceptional. There are a lot of like mediocre fucking sad sack white dudes who play guitar and most right. of them are worth hearing. I I did sound for a lot of them. <laughs> Like he he just he does what they're all trying to do. Like he gets there. Yeah. No. Maine is full of that '90s rock kind of feel. You know. So we have all that stuff around, and a lot of it, like you said, isn't meaningful or interesting or done in a new way. And King Cruel feels new. Um. And and so the next group here, fifteen is. Voice Notes by Yasmin Lacey. 14 is Big Lebowski, The Story of Eastside Jesus by Teller Banks. 13 is The Great Escape, Larry June and Alchemist. And so that, then we have Real Bitches Don't Die by Carrie Fowle. And Maps at number 11 mm. by Ken so I'll talk about voice notes. Voice notes is a real cool UK soul record. I really love it. Uh, Late night people is really fucking great. Great song. Great jam. Uh, it's, it's super long. It's like over an hour long. Uh, but it is, man, it's so full. It's so full and it's so pretty. There's some, some soul music now is very sexual and it's very like, you know, exacting in its sexualness. But this is, a, this is one of those soul records that feels like hanging out with a relative cares about you. Like mm. it's, it's real warm and real beautiful like that. Um, what would you say? Wholesome. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, that, and that's kind of what Neo soul was. And that's what, when people describe albums as neo soul, I think they're getting at that feeling, you know. Uh, they're like, "Oh, this is, feels like a positive, rewarding place," uh, and that—that's what voice notes is. Um, I really love it. So, da -da -da. so yeah, we're Big Lebowski: The Story of Eastside Jesus was number one for a while. I think this is one of my favorite Teller Banks. That he's ever done um when he released it or maybe it was before he released it he let me hear it a little bit either i hit him up immediately and was like you motherfucker you did a folk out like <laughs> this is 
crazy. If you listen to Donnie's Ashes, it's so sparse. It's so fucking sparse. And Teller Banks is a genius who can rap over anything and understands music on a molecular level um, in a way that he keeps trying to explain to people, like, I play the instruments, I produce, I know how this shit works. So he understands it in a different way. Um, this fucking, this, I love this thing. I just kept listening to it, running it into itself. Uh, so personal, so cool, so smart, badass. I, yeah, I love it. Um, I don't know. You, I'm going to throw to see Muddy Burns to talk about The Great Escape of Larry June and Alchemist. I mean, honestly, like, I think it's a, it's it's a great sounding record. It, I like I let it rip a few times and it's like, you know, like Alchemist does good beats. He samples stuff well. His drums are great. They're not too like uh, there's not too much there. They're not too sparse. Um, and Larry's raps are great, but I can't help but feeling like this record is like serviceable, you know, Um I just, for many years, like, whenever I hear an Alchemist beat, I know what record he's sampling, because I have, like, all the same old library records. I've collected library music forever, but it's, like, gotten out through, like, who sampled and stuff, like, all the stuff that he's been into. So there are so many, like, sound-alikes doing the same thing that's become sort of a style, kind of like you were talking about, like, with the Griselda stuff, where it's, yeah, like... Yeah serviceable but not adventurous you know it's like oh i'm gonna do a drop on like the the last bar i'm gonna pop that snare out oh i'm gonna take that one kick out oh, i'll do a record spin down sound just i feel like he has i don't know he, he's kind of i don't want to say played out because he makes great high level stuff and he's done it better than i ever will but i would love to hear him do something new or add something else to that sound or maybe get some different sample sources i just feel like enough people have learned from him where there are like imitation alchemist records that are better than this one. So yeah, for me, I, I think alchemist outperforms Larry June on this album. I think Larry June wrapped better on spaceships on the blade. Uh, and I think he was kind of in a very chanty, uh, passive place in this one. Like he was, uh, he got out wrapped by some guests, Boldy James, Slum Village, uh, Currency. Uh, yeah, those are the standouts, you know? And it's like when your features are what people are going to your record for. Like, it, I, I don't think this was the best Larry we've heard, but I think, so my argument against what you're saying is if you listen to the progression of Haram, to Elephant's Man's Bones, to this. These are very different records, very different albums. Haram doesn't sound like this album. And it's because Alchemist, while he does the same set of tricks, he custom fits them around who he's dealing with. So, like, you remember there was a time when people were like, Denzel's not a great actor because he's always just doing Denzel. But then people analyzed it more and were like, nah, he's bringing his human Denzel ticks to new characters. And I think that's that's a little bit of Alchemist. Zilla Rocca 
has the best alchemist quote where he said that he's he's the the Tim Duncan of production. Uh, Tim Duncan, as a basketball player, was famous for being one of the best efficient but boring and not someone that, that people could get excited about uh, watching, you know. It figures I, he's I, a, I, a sports I, reference that he'll get. <laughs> I just said it figures with Zilla it's a sports reference that I have to have explained to me but I agree with him 100% yeah no it's it, you know Tim Duncan one of the best of all time I never wanted to play, watch him play okay? it was it was boring <laughs> and I think so I think there is a little bit of that where I understand that coming into play with Alchemist Alchemist has a lot of albums no one's ever going to listen to again Lulu you know just like yeah yeah um and it's so there's a discussion to be had there, but this one to me is one of the best albums of the year. And it is because Alchemist gives Larry songs that you've never heard. Ocean sounds, summer rain, mm. very different from anything Larry's ever done before. Um, and Larry's so fun, man. Like uh, the one I keep thinking about with how weird Larry is, is is solid plan. Have you heard Solid Plan, Kay? Uh, what was that off of? Oh, that's off this one, The Great Escape. But it has action. Uh, yeah. Person. Yeah. Um, okay, I got to listen to it. I, I listened to it once. I got to go back to it. So the It's so crazy because the hook is you can do anything. Solid Plan. And it's just him saying. And, it's, and the action process is saying crazy shit in the background. And he's just like very... Earnest, like you can do anything. Solid plan, and it's it's so funny. This like West Coast motivational, like self help <laughs> rap. Like it's 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 interesting. There's it's really unique. People say that he's like Dom Kennedy, but that's because they don't know Dom Kennedy. Uh, that's that's <laughs> uh, yeah. They only tangentially remember Dom Kennedy. I lived through it, so. He's not Dom Kennedy. But Real Bitches Don't Die is an amazing album. Uh, <laughs> I Shout out to the relationship that Harry Foe has with Phalanx, who, who did the production, most of the production. They And they worked together on Loki Superstar. They've worked together for years. They really get each other. And so that's when people, when Real Bitches Don't Die came out, people were kind of amazed by how how full and concise it was. Like how, yeah. holy shit, this is a beautiful statement about Southern rap and the history of Southern rap. And Gangsta Boo's on it and all these people. Yeah, yeah. Gangsta Boo, Yeah, Devin yeah, the, the Dude. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a love letter to, to Southern rap and it's incredibly well executed. And it's because Phalanx and her totally understand what they're doing, know what they're doing. Uh, and I, I think it's one of the best albums of the year. Uh, yeah. This is from my gangsta bitches that need forehead kisses. Come on, Kay. That's fucking awesome. Uh, not disagreeing. Huh? I'm not disagreeing, man. You know. I love that album. So talk to me. How do you feel about this album, Kay? 
I, I mean, when we talked about it, I, I just love the energy of it. Um, you know, the, her versatility. And, and it, just, it was just a fun, because, you know, to kind of tie back to what we were oh, starting with at the beginning, it, this just seemed, this, this record just seems like unadulterated fun. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that mainstream hip hop is missing. It's fun. Yep. Uh, fun and just lightness and, you know, experimentation. But yet at the same time, you know, you're showing off your scale. And I think she did a great job of just balancing a lot of plates, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, the Devin, the dude was so nasty on dog. Uh, mm -hmm. So unbelievable. She gets the best out of all the guests on the album yeah. uh, because the song concepts are so well thought out. The hooks are so great. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I think that one's that one's going to stay with me. That one kept climbing and climbing uh, mm. undeniably. Um, yeah. Maps at number 11, I think, might make some people mad, right? Just like, I think people anticipate that Maps is going to be top three because it's Woods and it's Kenny Siegel and uh, it's Backwoods. And I love this album. I, lo I genuinely love this album. I don't think you can understand 2023 hip-hop without New York City tap water. Oh, yeah. Without, Beautiful. I don't think you can really understand the growth and career of Billy Woods without Soft Landing. Um, Soft Landing is like the first Billy Woods song I heard where I was like, that's a hit. That could go mm. on radio. Like, that's like... I never thought Woods would get to a place where it could be big screen for everybody. I thought it was too mm. dense. And Woods has gotten better and better at encapsulating his meanings and getting people on board without sacrificing. And to me, Soft Landing is a real, is a real easy song to listen to. This album has real like pop leanings you feel that way see money burns or am i making that up no i don't think you're making it up i mean i think coming off Ethiopes and and how well that did but that being a beatless album you know which back to your earlier point to me that that's a trend like folk music within rap music kind of the beatless she can really play with the patter a lot more and kind of the tempo going up and down with the breath. And that's that's been real cool to hear. But to hear Billy stretch out like that over those Messiah music kind of beds and environments and then snap back into like beat-based rap, but beats that are different than the Alchemist beats, you know? And beats different than what he and Kenny did previously. Like, um, this doesn't sound uh, anything else... Any, anything like churches, you know? And um, yeah. I I do feel like it's more focused. It's really interesting to see Billy, like, you know, like every photograph of him, he he did like this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And only recently, you've started to see his face show up. And this record is really like the first time he's like talking about himself as himself in his life. He's not talking about like him as a character in this vignette. You know, he's really good about, like, painting a picture of kind of, like, 
a scene of what's happening, but he's hasn't really like turned that on himself. So it's interesting to have like a poppier, more focused music approach and to have like a more insular, introverted thing, but you're presenting it for the public. That's kind of that's growth, I think. That's real artistic growth. He's kind of going to a new place. Yeah. I mean, what one of the things I cherish about Woods is that he builds a separate relationship with each producer. Yeah. So, like, of course this wouldn't sound like Church. Church is a salute to his relationship with Messiah Music and what they value, right? I was thinking the last record he did with Kenny. Right. But and and the Atheops is is a, is about what he loves about preservation and about what he wanted to that preservation was going to nail that the soundtrack to colonialism right um, but the, Kenny Siegel I feel like is is a little bit the live wire for him like Kenny Siegel's the one who's like going to do whatever he wants and Siegel's like and and Woods is like let's go you know. Yeah, yeah, and to correct myself from earlier, I meant hiding places. This, I think, map sounds real different than that, even though it's oh, the yeah. same two, which oh. I think is super cool that, like, they don't even really, like, touch on any of the hiding places sounds. It's just, like, a totally different thing. Yep, yep. I, I, but for me, have you heard Maps, Kay? Have you been listening? Yeah. 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 How do you feel about it? Uh, I mean, I, I agree. New York drinking water. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. That was, I mean, that's one of my favorite songs of the year. Yep. Uh, and and I think you know we're so used to. Uh, how how do I say this? Like, you know, we we're so used to how you know viewing Billy Woods in a certain light. Uh, you know, uh, and I think that this did a did a great job of showing that you know you know he can have fun he's not such a serious dude who's just always talking about you know eastern european history right yeah. uh but he can he can have fun uh he can rap on lighter production uh and 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 it, i think it did a great job of showing another side of what billy woods the rapper could be zero year is so damn fun uh, that was so cool with Danny Brown. Um, this this album for me, it's it's one of the longest I think he's done. It's like eighteen songs or something like that, isn't it? Um, this this album is much more of a playlist album for me. It's mm. it's an album that I, whenever I'm building a playlist, I'll throw a few songs from this album in because this album has so many moods. You know, and like, you know, if I'm building a certain kind of playlist, New York City tap water is perfect, right? Uh, if, if I'm building another kind of playlist, uh, then, you know, the one with Benjamin uh, Booker and, well, you know, that's going to be the one or whatever. Like there's, there's lots of different kinds of songs on maps. Um, and I love that. I love that. Um that it's like that it being more of a playlist album doesn't like doesn't make me like it less right like babylon bus you know facetime houdini waiting around these stuff songs are so different from one another 
they don't always flow for me one after another. But I love I I really do love most of of this stuff and have loved it in different forms. Um, and it's because he's always doing something different. I can't love all of his projects the same way. That would mean I'm not paying attention. Right? Like, right. so this, this isn't my favorite Billy Woods album, but there's no Billy Woods album like it. And I love that. Yeah. Love that. I love some of these songs are going to be on his greatest hits. Uh, you know, this is what it is. Um, so that's my thing. Uh, that I'm going to take smaller chunks when I, because now we're at top 10. We're at the top 10 here. Um, number 10 is The Answer Is Always Yes by Alex Leahy. Number nine is Through and Through by Baby Rose. And number eight is Heavy, Heavy by Young Fathers. The Answer Is Always Yes, Kay, reminds me of the kind of albums that me and C. Muddy Burns grew up on. Right? This is, like, she's, she's Australian. This is, like, maybe some people would call it pop punk or whatever. But this is just the kind of rock that used to be on the radio when we were kids. Like, it's a breakup album that I can listen to with my son. That's cool. Because it's, the songs are big. The hooks are fun. Uh, the swearing is silly. And... It's, it's got a good heart, the album, but it's about serious shit, serious shit that happened in your life. I I really, I deeply admire Alex Lee. I love all of her projects because she's able to always make this giant-sized pop rock music, um, but she's always, the lyrics are always really interesting. The stories are always really unique. So he's dealing with, with personal things in her life. Uh, but place, you know what I mean? So it's not, yeah. not a downer. I haven't caught the whole record, but I caught the congratulations track, the big one. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I get a similar vibe as you. Like, do you remember Liz Fair from yes, back in the day? Absolutely. Yes. Like, big Liz Fair vibes. Uh, you know, I hate comparing it to all like chick alternative rock, but that's the obvious touchstone. So like the breeders, Liz Fair, yep. like that yep. sort of stuff. It's definitely in that vibe of like, Rocking smart chick singing about like super real stuff in a smart way that's not like depressing. Talking about depressing stuff in like a cheeky way, kind of. Yeah, I think the best argument I could make, Kay, for listening to Alex Leahy is go to YouTube, look up Alex Leahy, and watch any of these fucking music videos. They're fucking great. Her music videos are bananas. They're so fun. The songs are so fun. You'll get it when you listen to the music videos. But I needed Alex Leahy this year because there was a lot of depressing rap music. Uh, there was a lot of just depressing music in general. Um, and I wanted to pick it up a little bit, you know. Um, through and through is interesting and evidence of our discussion from earlier, right? Through and through is one of the in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, pop album of the year, right? I can look at my others and see 
what else is a pop album, but I don't think anything I have above here is is through and through is the poppiest album that I love. And it came out on Secretly Canadian. And George Ann Muldrow is on it. What? George Ann Muldrow is on it too. Right, right. And like, yeah, Smino's on it. And like, uh, it came out on Jens Lechman's label, you know? Uh, but it is glossy and fun. She's got a real beautiful kind of tortured voice. Uh, it's just real, it's real fun for me. I love this album. Have you listened to it, Ken? Baby Rose? No. Oh, man. It's good shit. I love this. It's, yeah, it's just real, like I said, it's big. The song with Smino is undeniable. I won't tell. That shit is great. Okay. Uh, videos are great. Baby Rose is really unique because I think in the R&B world, there's a lot of either great voices or auto-tuned voices. Mm -hmm. You know, classically great voices or augmentedly great voices. Her voice is still strange. And there isn't that much like strange voice pop R&B right now that you can glom onto. And so I think through it. Well, I mean, that's kind of like like King Cruel's charm, like we were talking about. Exactly. It's, like, it's very imperfect, and that's the human charm of it. Yep. And it's that, but it's turned the other shiny direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Heavy Heavy by Young Fathers, man. I fucking love this album, dude. Uh, if, if I ever get introduced... I'm going to go, I'm going to have Seth Sink or Swim play me on stage. Uh, I love, I love all this album. Drum is great. One of the best songs of the year. This is very like, it's very, it feels like the children of TV on the radio. Uh, that's what I, when I first heard these guys, that's what I thought. Yeah. But in like a good way, not a derivative way at all. Just like, that's, yeah. Ready to go out there. That's why I said children of TV on the radio, right? Like, they they're like the next generation from that mm -hmm. uh and they're building on it and so it's it's big these songs are big and they feel they surround you from all directions and they're not always traditionally lyrical sometimes they're very chanty um but they're overwhelming right overwhelming stadium feeling but just so odd uh, there's so many different genres at play. I still think this would be considered a weird album, mm -hmm. uh, but it is. Uh, it's it's the shit. I love it. My family rock. I rock with it. My family loves it. So it's cool. Um, yeah, you're the beat of the drum and go dumb. Um, yeah, everybody should check heavy heavy. Number seven is Sleeping Dogs. I'm faking my own death just to get some rest. Yeah. Number six, when why does the earth give us people to love? By Kara Jackson. Um, number five is House of Disorder by No Sage and Steel Tip Dove. So, yeah, Sleeping Dogs. The crazy part about that. What I know, what I was noticing listening today, because the production is so interesting, and I listened for the production so often. 
today I was listening to the interplay between how they write and Jesse is so literary. He's such a classic literary writer, like great images, uh, great use of space and time. And like, he's always just writing a beautiful poem, you know? And uh, fucking Andrew is one of the craziest punchline guys in the world, right? Just punchlines like crazy. So you'll have this really beautiful literary verse from, from Jesse the Tree that says so much. And then Andrew will hit you with the craziest dad joke you've ever heard. Um, it's it's beautiful. It's the, the Cameron influence on Andrew there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's... Steve Money Burns, you helped with the sound of this album. They credit you as a big part of how this sounds and why it sounds this way. Talk about why you felt it needed to sound like that. Um, I loved Andrew's productions just as they were and as those guys were, were rapping over them. Um, you know, just like you said, kind of the interplay of their styles was really great. Uh, Jesse is really like James Joycey in like triple entendres and just kind of bounces around, but changes up his flow all the time. And, and Andrew's flow is real different than his very call and response, very punchline. Um, and it's cool to hear them back to back. And, um, you know, when I was getting shit together for him, I was just like, what's your, what's your vision for this? What do you like, what do you want it to be? And, and, you know, what are the points of reference? And, and they were like, they just wanted it to be like the kind of album you'd skateboard in the summer too. And like, maybe, maybe do a little, do a little drugs that that sort of stuff just kind of like like a, like a, an album about heavy stuff that doesn't sound heavy you know that you could play on a nice day and do cool stuff too but if you sit and listen to it there's kind of a lot there and that was kind of how i approached the sound stuff to it because generally like when they give me stuff it's vocal tracks and a beat track but mm. I kind of mess with stuff from there. Like, there's a lot of subtle vocal tuning on this. Like, that was a big thing, is we didn't want it to sound, like, futuristic with, like, T-Pain-style auto-tuning. But vocal yeah. harmonies sound nice when you kind of get them a little closer together. And so I did a lot of real subtle nudging uh, just to build those out. Added some instruments here and there where necessary, but not a ton of stuff, just to kind of even tracks out. But, um... The vocal mix on this is probably one that I spent, I spent like more time than anything on like the vocal mix and probably more on this record than I have on most records I've worked on because I wanted it to be real subtle but real psychedelic. Like if you put headphones on with this, I feel like some stuff really pops out that might not through a pair of speakers. Um, I, I wanted it to be a good album to do psychedelic drugs too. I, I wanted it to have that sort of sheen and that's what we talked about. And um, I hope it got there. I think it got there. Oh yeah. Fuzzy Orange Headband has just, it's, it has dominated my year. Uh, my wife was like, you, you have to relax. So, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's it's a beautiful album, and oh man, to from to go from Joe Cool to Pigeon, uh, yeah, it to the me book, it's oh god, 
they're just such effortlessly cool dudes, both of them. Yeah. But, you know, like, Andrew expresses a, a good amount of self-doubt with his lyrics, talks about his sure. anxiety yep. out in the open. And it's almost like like he brings that end and Jesse brings, like, the, the calming end. Like, the first time I ever met Jesse, he hugged me. and We started talking like we were old friends. Like, I yep. just met the dude. And, you know, his raps are just like that, too. You can just kind of, like, get into it. Like, oh, this is, like, comfy and great. Um, yeah, I just can't say enough uh, of, about those guys. Love working with them. Love their creative process. Love the way we bounce stuff back and forth. I hate pumping up an album that I worked on, but uh, I'm going to do it. It's the best, dude. And it, you know what? It feels like, hey, it feels like it's an album designed for when you called out of work and you're just like... Mm-hmm. Might do some shit today, but I might not. And you just put on this music and just no, yeah. So I think I think that's what this is, and it's it's one of my favorite things. Why does the earth give us people to love? Uh, if I was going to encapsulate it in one thing that maybe me and C Money Burns will get, and maybe no one else will. Um, there's a Velvet Underground song called Candy Says, right? Uh, which I think is one of the best songs in music. Uh, and it's and Velvet Underground was so known for just like fuzz and g- crazy guitar sound. And Candy Says stripped everything away and was this incredibly harrowing story about surviving the world and gender and, and all these uncomfortable topics that people weren't talking about at the time. And this Kara Jackson album feels like that song uh, to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely into, into that description. I mean, I feel like you hit the, uh, the nail on the head with like Velvet Underground, just that they brought a lot of really uncomfortable stuff to the forefront of the topics of their songs and that like the uncomfortable stuff about who they were, you know? Like Lou Reed is a complicated dude. He's not like like a pop star in any way. Right. And so the first song on this K is one minute long. It's called Recognized. And it just is it's just like in this kind of folk country Americana way, singing about all the terrible things people will do to get recognized. And then later on in the album, there is a reprise, right? Of recognize where like and it's her just the the orchestration swells and she's just like lot of people gonna die to get recognized and i'll just I, i'll just put that shit on the car and my wife will be like can we listen to something else it, it's, <laughs> uh, it's jarring man and then the last song is a minute and 13 seconds about turning to liquor when the world fails you it's a hell of an album dude uh it has several one minute songs it has a seven minute 53 second song the the title track is six minutes and 15 seconds this is an album that does whatever the fuck it wants uh man curtains that was the one um yeah there was a line where she said tomato shades graze my chin and it's like her talking about people throwing tomatoes at her on stage. But I was like, man, tomato shades 
Braves. I've never fucking heard anything like that. Like, that's fucking amazing. Like, there are people who, special writers, K, are like, they stop me in my tracks. And I'm like, I've never even <laughs> fucking heard that phrasing before. Uh, she's special. Um, and I've waited for this album for years. It's a debut album. I've waited for it for years. Because wow. one song, or maybe two songs, that she did on a Y Records compilation that was for charity, right? I was interviewing Davis. And I was like, who the fuck is that? And I was local lady followed her on Twitter and just waited for the album to drop for years. And it, it was worth it. it. It's I love it. I can't get away from it. Um, but fuck, man. So we're talking about Alchemist. If there's a producer of the year to me, it's still tipped up. Right on, right on. That guy puts in the work. Mm -hmm. And... This my this is my favorite Steel Tip Dove thing. Um, this fucking No Sag album is insane, insane, undeniably amazing. Um, oh man, fucking No Sag has done a bunch of projects with Dove. They understand each other. Um, yeah. And I think there's like, there's an element of No Sage performing where No Sage is the closest we have to rap music's like Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that. I can definitely hear that. Like just a fucking character and a half. Um, and I think, I don't know, is it the person who mixed it? Jason Furlow? Um. Yeah, there's a is it there's a thing throughout the album where he'll he'll be screaming and going crazy, and then he'll go Jason Furlow, and I I I think Jason Furlow probably mastered it or something. Or as was... far as I know, uh, Steel Tip Dove does all of his own stuff. He's got a studio. Who is Jason Furlow? I have to know this now. But like, listen to Tightrope. Any of that shit throughout the album, you know, he's he he'll end this up. It's <laughs> awesome. I love that. Uh, Lucille is the most, probably the most screaming Jay Hawkins he gets. Uh, but this fucking record, it's special to some of us. It's not a record nobody knows. Some of us deeply love this record. Uh, the weirdos really fucking love this record. Um, it's so cool and so cutting edge. That's one of the things about Dove. Dove will absolutely lock in with the nuttiest character and make the craziest album, and and then go back to making an album everyone loves. And like, it's all fine for him. Uh, I mean, I. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You. Yeah, that was it. I, I was just going to say, like, Dove has been on a tear this year. Like, he did a record Absolutely. with Andrew. He did one with Alaska. Um, yep. He's got the the record from March with, like, everybody on it. Like, uh, oh, that fucking Isla's on it, Darko, Big Baby Gandhi. Yep. Just, you know, one thing I think that keeps him going is his style is so mutable. Like you said, like, it just changes 
he can craft it around whoever's rapping, and then he can just do, like, general stuff and have people come rap on it. And, you know, I think that's why he's so good at doing his studio stuff, is he can wrap his brain around so many different styles and flows. Yep, he does what it needs to be done, right? Like, people don't go to Dove for a certain sound. They go to Dove, you know, for whatever they need. Um, and that's real cool. Uh, the next two... From Whence It Came by Young Morpheus, and he left nothing for the swim back by Sketch 185. And I have to get the producer in there because this is a hell of a produced album. Um, is it it's Marky or something, or is it Jeff Marky? Jeff Marky, yeah, yep, he... Jeff Markey. yep, and Jeff. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I've, I've worked with Jeff's stuff before, and he's done a, a bunch of production for, like, Karma Kids, like like Head Trip and Gookie mm -hmm. and Three Canyons and, like, um, Gruff Lion, all those dudes. I just feel like this is this is the album that a lot of us wanted from Sketch. We waited a long time. Sketch is amazing. And Jeff Markey gave us these dark Blade Runner synths. Uh, it's just, they're really fun. It's a really beautifully dark record. I think it's exactly what Sketch's voice needed, like you said. Like, just for him to be able to, I find his voice terrifying, but in, like, yeah. the best way possible. Like, like it, if someone yelled at me like that, I would probably piss myself. But it, it's <laughs> fucking That's awesome it. to listen to on the record. And Jeff met him there without making, like, beats that were, like, overwhelming. It's like yeah. dark and foreboding and industrial, but there's still enough room for all the vocal stuff. Like he did it minimally, and it's hard to do those kinds of sounds minimally. The beats, like the beats shouldn't be trying to fight with sketch, right? They should be giving him more room. But they gotta match him too, and he's an intense yeah. dude. Yep. <laughs> and the especially those last two songs. I'm so glad there's a part one. And a part two of Western automated automatic music, because even after it, after the album's done, you're still kind of humming it. Uh, it's real beautiful, badly drawn heroes, amazing. You, I mean, it's an album full of of lines that stop you in your tracks. You know, uh, sketch knows how to get your attention, and I, it's it's a real special album and. I, I couldn't talk about 2023 without it. Um, yeah. And if you're mad at me that Maps isn't higher, you know, Billy Woods is on this and put this album out. So it's a pretty good win. Um, either way. Okay. Me and Zillaraka have a fun thing we're we talk about. <laughs> that there are, like, good and evil versions of sounds, right? Mm -hmm. Think about like Mario and Wario, right? Um, and he first brought this into play. We said Mac Hami is the evil most deaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't I like. I would that not have thought that, but I see it. I oh, it's that good. And I hit him back with Young Morpheus is the evil Larry June. <laughs> I was actually going to make some parallels when we talked about this. <laughs> the evil Larry, he's he's like he has he has that same chill, like 
Young Morpheus is in the class of whisper flow rappers like Boldy James, uh, who it feels like a scary character pulled you by your shirt and is now whispering terrifying things at you. Uh, but so it's a whisper flow, but there's he talks in code and he's got such a great vocabulary. Um, you never really know fully what the story's about, you know, uh, but it's it's delivered in this calm, paranoid hush, you know, throughout yeah. this album from whence it came. He's he's talking about like the crackers are listening to us. She's like he's just in his full paranoid mode. Like, man, you can't fucking let those guys know what we're doing. You know, and he's like, so he's I mean, all- we are listening. So <laughs> right. He's all about like the same kind of motivated getting your shit together that Larry is. He's just doing it in a world that pisses him off. <laughs> you know, the parallel I wanted to draw too was um, we were talking about like some, or I had said some people are making better Alchemist records than the Alchemist. This is one of them, I think. You know, like, um, this was one where, like, I did not know who this dude is. I keep running lists of records, and I let him shuffle. And I ended up, like, favoriting tons of songs off this. Just yep. they all hit me. And I kept being like, is that, like, an Alchemist thing? Is that, like, some dude I don't know over the Alchemist? And it was, like, always this record. And it was, like, what you said, where he changes up his flow, but, like, some of the sampling in there and some of the drums. Like, there's, like, uh, there's one track later in the album that's, like, more, like, drum and bass-type drums. Oh, like, is it Heavy oh, Bags? Is that Heavy Bags? I think so. I think so. And I think I he produced that. Yeah, and to me, like, that direction, like, that's, like, where I'd want to hear, like, Alchemist go. And this guy's already there, already doing it. And, like, already, like you said, Evil Larry June. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fucking cool. I mean, he, um, yeah, we see here, to, I'm going to see if I've got this right here. The, it's not, my favorite song is Near, in near the Cell Towers. That shit's pop. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yep, better hurt your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy Bags uh, is, is awesome. It's a longish album, dude. This has been kind of the return of the longish albums. Uh, it's 19 tracks. Uh, crazy. Uh, Logi kills it. Oof. Uh, yeah, Fly Anakin. You know, there's some there's some features, but it's mostly him. Uh, the beats are, are crazy. Some are sample-based, but they always surprise you. The stories yeah. always surprise you. Not thinking we're near the cell towers. Like it's just, it's awesome. It's, it is. It, it's evil, Larry June, and I love it so much. Um, Young Morpheus always transports you to his environment. He always puts you where he wants, you. Uh, undeniably so. So I, I, I think the world that album. Uh, shout out to Fat Man Tomb who's on our second tier of listenership, we sent him this ahead of time. He said, my number one album wouldn't be in his top 25. And that's why he subscribes. <laughs> so, number two is Kalila Raven. Yeah. And that album, 
how how has that album been for you, Kay, as you've been re-listening to it? I mean, it, it grows on you. The more you listen to it, the more it grows on you. Uh, you know, I, I was just with my friend this weekend, and we put it on. We were driving. We were driving, returning uh, home late at night, and we just put that on, and it was, like, perfect. Uh, I mean, we put on, uh, gosh, what's, what's the track that we love? Is it Contact? Yes, Contact. Yep. Yeah. It's just very, I, I don't know, I used to love that shit. In the 90s, we had this very dark, icy, like, cold dance music that was just very uh, interesting. Trip-hop was kind of based around that. And yeah. this is very much like that. It, it It's very genuine. There's a lot of great discussions about life and about personal things. But fuck, dude, like it's it's just so hypnotically kind of cold and distant, and it's just that makes sense driving at night, right? Because it's not boring music that would put you to sleep, but it but it's not sunny music either that needs sunshine for itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard this record, but I've heard a bunch of other records i didn't know this was out i have thrown it on my list right away but the thing that like uh turned me on to her right away was i i heard her first album in 2015 and read an interview and like right up front she was like i love phil collins i'm obsessed with phil collins i try i try to think of phil collins every time i'm making music and i feel like that does show through in a way i don't know i'm a, I'm a awesome. huge phil collins and genesis nerd and i can definitely hear it in there and that's just like such a funny, I mean, not an influence you would think like like uh, a right. gothy dark R and B singer would take. Yeah, yep. her voice is like real singular. Like I can pick it out anytime it pops up. Yeah, she's a real singular, a voice and creator, right? Um, and so that's the thing. I I like the personality of voice notes by Yasmin Lacey better than Kalila's Raven. Raven's better. It's just better executed. It's the sound is more interesting. Um, it grows on you, takes you over. Um, it's yeah, it's a different world, man. Um, so I love that. And my number one is Gloria's Game. I'm not I'm not gonna hide it. Like Gloria's Game, L. Michael's Affair, Black Thought. I've been waiting for a long time for this album. I was I remember arguing with people about black thought in the early aughts about like like is this do good because some of these records aren't good you know <laughs> like <laughs> what the fuck and we never really felt like we got the full black thought that we we wanted and this is an album with a band that centered around him mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. It's the coolest he's ever sounded. The Glorious Game reprise. And just like, he gets to sound cool. He gets to have all these Sonics trying to, working for him. Right. You know? Um, and yeah, the first song is madness. I just love it. Um, Dirty Young Caballeros. And that fucking... Man, the weather is is maybe my favorite song of the year. 
uh, in the way it speeds up and it's it's this crazy description of of Philly and growing up. I'm still somehow is beautiful and striking and it, it ends in this really amazing way. I don't know. There's like we were talking to Video Dave you know, the other day and he was like, yeah, I feel like people have forgotten about this record and how good this record is. And I, I had to hold back and be like, it's my number one. It's the best. Go <laughs> out. Um, it's and and it's it's a better written record than any of the ones before it that he's solo, right? It's it has a real theme. It explores its theme. It's it's true to his discussions of poverty in America and how it shaped him and how it shapes the people around him, um, and how he's how he's overcome it. Um, I think it's real. It's it's a really smart record, and we always give credit to Black Thought for how good he is as a rapper, but it feels like when we gave Serena her credit for how strong her serve was, right? <laughs> and we weren't like, you're one of the best tennis players who ever lived, you know? Absolutely. We're like, no, your serve is great, you know? Uh, Black Thought is better than common, right? I can uh, come out. That's right. He's better than Jack Harlow, okay? Oh, whoa, whoa, hold up, slow up, slow up, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> He's the he's he's not, and this album, yeah, maybe I'm gonna remember it like I remember Q-Tips of the Renaissance. Mm, yeah, great record. Q-Tips of the Renaissance, it doesn't get discussed widely. Uh, but if you're a hip hop fan, it means a lot. Mm -hmm. it means mm -hmm. A lot. This is gonna be that for me. I know it. I can feel it in my bones. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Go ahead. for me, this record was, it seems so natural when, when yeah. hearing, it. like, I, I, the parallel I think of is like, did you ever hear the Bad, Bad, Not Good and Ghostface Killer record? Yeah, Sour Soul, right? Yeah, where yeah. that was just like, how did this not happen before? Like, this just like, I don't know, it feels like walking into a furnished room, you know? Yeah. it's no, a great way to put it. Yeah, and it's not... And and some people might be like, oh, that's the is the easy choice. Like it's somehow the choice that never happened. Yeah. For him. Like they and, and finally he gets to put out a a record on a soul label with a soul band and sound completely comfortable over music that, that he's lived his whole life loving. So I can't I can't knock that. That's my jam. Um and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of young people doing great work, older people doing great work, um, different people challenging each other in the space. That is my list. Um, any overall thoughts, Kay, about that? About the list? No, I mean, it's it's very diverse, and and I think what stood out to me is the instantaneous instantaneousness of it, like. When you say this is my list, you mean at this moment right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, something could happen on Friday that switches up everything. Like you could you could have an epiphany on Sunday that shifts your list. But it's, you know, lists are, they're not static things. They change. 
you know, you know, you may go through something where you go through an experience and then you hear a song and you hear it in a different light that moves it up the list. It moves an album up the list. So it's really like an instantaneous thing. So. And you know what happened, Seabody Burns? As, as people got more distasteful of lists and hated them more and more, I got more protective of my list. And I, mm. I started, I kept refining my lists. Like, mm. I keep track of the percentage of women on my list. Oh, wow. I have, like, a, a rule in my list that if you're going to knock a woman down the list, there has to be a woman that's in that area to take that place. That you can't, you can't start moving all the women off the board, right? I mean, um, I think honestly, as like white dudes trafficking in black art forms, it's incumbent on us to really kind of look at representation stuff like that. Definitely, and I, I look at lists I make that way as well. Definitely, mm -hmm. and so like, I got more and more protective of my process and more thoughtful about my process. Mm -hmm. So my lists are always running, always going, and, and they're always different from everybody else's, man, because I'm, I'm nuts and I don't have, I don't function like, like other people. Uh, yeah. And, and good list making, it, it forces you to recognize your bias and really analyze, like you said, your decision making, you know, analyze, really get to, get to grips and come to grips with your taste. And where you know where that comes from, and what where your likes and dislikes come from. So, so many of these other albums were also number one. Mm. I think I think Heavy Heavy was number one at one point. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. There were it was just uh, Big Lebowski was definitely number one at one point, um, and it's number fourteen right now. Like, it's mm -hmm. there's so much happening. Like I. I remember Def C was like, if your list doesn't have Solar 5 or Crash Perez on it, it's a shitty list. And I remember thinking, it had both of those albums on it. Yeah. It just keeps changing. Um, forgive me. Uh, but it's about how the music evolves over the course of the year. And I, mm -hmm. I so I'm very grateful to have to have that. Um, and what any thoughts about the list? See Money Burns? How do you feel? I mean, I like that you included such a variety of stuff. You dipped in mm -hmm. hip-hop, dip out. You do yep. hip-hop and Jason stuff. Like, in prepping yep. for this, I'm a compulsive list maker, and I'm always editing and revising. Um, I I made, like, a hip-hop-specific list, and then, then a runners-up hip-hop-specific list, and then mm. kind of a general albums list. But I like that you co-mingle it a lot, rather than compartmentalizing a ton that it kind of you can see your taste a little better the way it flows across that exactly stuff. it becomes like a yeah a picture of your subconscious well, i mean <laughs> that's what this should really do is like represent that person's taste you're not saying those are the best records for everyone because they know so it's like no this is what really spoke to me this year exactly mm -hmm. um so like that was was there anything on the list that you heard that's that that became in more interesting to you as you prepped? Uh, honestly, uh, I I saved a bunch of stuff as you were talking about. It. I just kind of got excited yeah. from descriptions. You know, when I was yeah. prepping, I was looking at your list, and I was like, I got to go listen to all of these so I can know. And then I was like, no, I'm going to let 
I'm going to let Dano sell me on him. And That's see beautiful. I love that. I love that as an idea. We, yeah, feel free, future guests. That is a valid form of, of guesting. Uh, be here to <laughs> rant at you, and I will we'll talk about it. Um, so, recommendation corner, see Money Burns. Uh, and I'm going to cheat because I'm going to recommend an album that I'm on twice. Toronto, Ontario's Slumber Logic released Detachment, Homie, and Only Detachment. Um, he produced it and, you know, raps on it. Songs written, produced, recorded uh, by him. So he, and he uses insane words. Uh, in you know his <laughs> crazy vocabulary going on. Um, you can see from the song title, right? Uh, a Tardigrads, Finnegan's Wake, Ayahuasca I mean, Spike, which I'm on. Brzezowski is my homie, so I, I'm I'm like predisposed to this. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. Um, and I mean, I was excited. He let me hear the tracks. He's great at producing my voice. And making me sound fucking cool on this shit. So I was excited for that. But then when the album came out and I got a chance to really sit with it, I was like, fuck, this thing's really good. Like, I'm on a really good album. That's cool. Like that. So I'm really excited to be a part of it because he's yeah, he's such a good dude. He's always working and he's always challenging himself. So yeah. I'm definitely I'm throwing that in my list right now. Killer, killer thing. The, the song Still Thirsty with Ratman Gavin and Trey Does, you know, we're talking about Gavin is from South Africa. Uh, so we have South Africa, Toronto, like all the same mix. That's dope. That's awesome. I'm not even sure where Trey is from. He might be Canada too. Uh, but it's, yeah, the, the hip-hop community that's been built through RMPP Discord is real fucking, is real special. Um, uh, I guess the other one I will rep, I mean, is I'm going to go with a, a Sage Francis thing because my son, we're going to go see Sage Francis live Friday. Uh, oh, that'll be fun for you. Very good. Sage, Miles Bullen, Jesse the Tree. That'll be a dope show. All those guys are super nice and they all put on a great show. And uh, my son and my wife are going also. Well, fam, bam. And I was like, telling my son, I'm like, have you heard Sage before? And he's like, no. I'm like, so I put on Escape Artist. And he was like, that guy's good. Uh, so <laughs> excited uh, for him to see Sage live. was a monster. Uh, healthy distrust for anybody younger generation may not be familiar. That's the one, man. Controller that's seven. like an indie rap yeah. monolith. That that record is like, yeah, that's like an indie rap yeah. monolith right there. Right. I mean, everybody just to know. Controller seven has the you know production on there. There's like it's got guns, yo, and fucking sea lion, and just just um, a really important album um, that you know built a legacy. You know, on the power of just dishwashers and line cooks 
who you know put that on when they were ship doing the ship like in New England. So it's just crazy. Um, yeah, shout out to Strange Famous. I'm excited for that show. Um, Jesse says he might invite me on stage to talk shit. I love that. <laughs> Do it. Take him up on it. Yep. Why not? Fuck it. Uh, yeah. It was a good deal. But yeah, uh, do that. And I guess I, let me throw another recommendation here from the show because I don't know if people will be. I'm going to recommend Sent from a Treehouse by Planetary Access. Uh, that is Miles Bullen and uh, Sarah Violet. This is now 2020. It's beautiful. I didn't know they did together. That's yeah, awesome. Planetary Access is awesome. Uh, Jesse the Tree's on it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Planetary Access is super dope. Uh, Miles Bullen's a monster. Um, and yeah, it's such a it's, good dude, too. Yeah, such a good, it, it, nice person, but a monster. Uh, on, yeah. on, just been rapping since he was in diapers, you know. Um, so yeah, those are my recommendations. See, Money Burns, what are you what are you rocking with? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you like an abbreviated version of stuff that's hit me. Um, okay. I'm gonna start different than you and not go from the bottom to the top. I'm gonna start right at the top with what has been with me the most, and yep. really, it's uh Fat Boy Sharif's uh, Planet Unfaithful EP. Because I don't know, there's something about it. It's like stark, suspenseful, dark soundscapes. For for his voice, but it's not just like like drumless, beatless stuff. Like to me, it's like like vocal art what he's doing, just with the layering of effects and like all the different tones. It's like beatless rap is like the touchstone for him to do like almost like a performance art thing. And then like the couple features on there, you know, it's like Elucid, who is like always like ferocious and upfront, and then Bruiser Wolf in there, where like. He has such a jazzy flow, and it's so neat to hear it in that really different kind of suspense-hanging horror sound, to hear him doing that. It's, I don't know, it just, to me, it, like, made his voice sound new again, hearing that against it. So it's, like, only two features on there, but they're, like, perfect. That EP is perfect to me. And I, I, I'm always just shocked at how good Sharif is at picking who he's, the, who he's working with. Yeah. To go from Roper to Lungs to, you know, No Face and, you know, now this new album. I don't know, Kay, did you hear he's got a new album coming out, Fat Boy Sharif and Steel Tip Dub. It's coming out on backwards. Wow, wow. I hear about that, yeah. I'm there for it already. Absolutely. Fucking, like, and I I remember talking to Sharif, he was like, I was like, you fucking got Steel Tip Dub. The year that he's absolutely at his fucking best. Like, how do you do this? You know, uh, Sharif is just there at the with everybody at the, at their best. A master well, game. I think he's also just so like confident and convinced of what he's doing that everybody comes along for the ride. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. If if you're gonna be like weird, you gotta like really know where you want to take it and where it's going to end up and i he just he, the way he layers all the vocals and effects just he really yep. has like a complete vision of what he wants from it cool what else you got on that 
Uh, what else do I got there? Uh, AJ Swade and Televangel, uh, Parthian Shots. Um, both of those dudes have been putting out a bunch of records this year. You know, like Televangel did the Sleep Sinatra record as well. Yep, there was yep. like uh, Neutral Milk Motel remixes. AJ Swade did his own record. He's been on like a bunch of other records as well. But I feel like this the the Parthian Shots record is like the best combining of their powers. Um, I just feel like Televangel's style, it's really hard to pin it down to, like, a specific element, but his vibe is so mistakable. Like, I first fell in love with his production with, uh, Blue Sky, Black Death, and, like, I would only listen to the instrumentals just to kind of pick apart everything, and... I think it made Suede go a little darker and a little more introverted in a way that was really interesting. Like, you know, his his solo record under his name is a little more poppy or a little more up and forward, at least yep. compared to this one. But this one was, like, the best of both their talents to me. It had, like, Milk. It had uh, Grape God. Bruiser Wolf was on this one, too, and... Uh, he laced it super nice. Henri Osborne's well, on it. Rich Jones, that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Rich Jones, goodbye. That That's, I mean, that's unbelievable. Love that dude's voice. Love that yep. dude's voice. Yep, yep. So that record was real great to me. We coincided on a bunch of these other ones. What was one that stuck out to me? Uh, the, the Be Kool-Aid record. You guys listen oh, to that? Oh, very that close. That was on my list for a while, yeah. Be Kool-Aid <laughs> Yeah, is it Iwan and uh, and Pink Sifu or Pink Sifu and Ali? Ali, Ali, yeah, A W L E. Sorry, yeah, I think it's A H A A H L W E E. I I had to type it out here a couple of times, but like, you know, like rap is really a touching off point on that one. Like, there's plenty yeah. of rap on it, but like, it's such a deep musical funky groovy psychedelic thing they have like dj harrison and butcher brown and mind design yep. on there so they're like some extended instrumental bits that are just real like real sophisticated I just, ladybug I, mecca ladybug mecca yeah i just i can't stop listening to it it's just like everything i like about music all on one record great great project absolutely yeah uh k do you, do you have anything you want to jump in? Throw it in? No, I mean, not really. I'm just keeping my ears open. Keeping your ears open. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I no, but I will say there was, like you said, he, I think I like Simon said, you did I, you did a good job selling. There were a couple projects that I'm definitely going to check out from your list. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, man. Always jump into the new stuff. Good stuff. The uh, yeah. Everybody go to go to K's OnlyFans and subscribe. Um free for 30 days. So thank you for both for putting your time into this. Um this is gonna go out to everybody so everybody can fucking have it because I want everybody to be able to get these recommendations and, and listen to this music. Um yeah, but sign up for the Patreon. If you enjoy this, uh, because we're going to have Patreon's going to get it first, man. They're going to get these recommendations first. You can join the Discord and I'll hit you. Uh, and there's been, by the way, Slumber Logic hit me and said on the, on the thread that I put out 
uh, about this mid year and wanted to know how I felt about the fucking Killer Priest like Forest album. Yeah, yeah. That that album's fucking nuts, dude. But it's so cool. I love when a rapper is out of the spotlight, out of the mainstream spotlight, and gets to do kind of whatever they want to do. My only takeaway, my only issue with Killer Priest is that he's got kind of a closed circle of people he works with. I would fucking love like a Killer Priest August Fanon album. Oh yeah, that would be dope. That'd be super dope. And like I would love for him to get some people outside his circle to really mix in because he's become so good at doing kind of bossa nova sounds and mm -hmm. like rapping over bossa nova type stuff that I feel like he could grow in different directions with different producers. I like somebody that's done that is like Planet Asia. Planet Asia is always working with new people um, and, and working growing that way. That would be my killer priest take. But yeah. I, I did check out that record. Um, I I really dig that record. I feel like um, really good. You know, he, he does that kind of like free association hashtag style rap, like before people call that hashtag rap. Uh, but he can stick to a beat or totally do drumless, and he does like both on the record, and, and like it's him no matter what. Like you always know it's him. And I just uh, it's a it's a happy record, but it's not like corny happy. You know, no. it's like. I did Mushrooms in the Forest happy. I'm communing with nature. And he kind of just, like, removes himself and is talking about, like, bumblebees and, and flowers and stuff. And I just felt like, I want to take mushrooms and go into the woods and listen to this and be happy with him. Like, um, yeah. you know, my one thing that I maybe didn't like about it so much was I just felt like the vocal to... to instrument ratio was a little a little off it kind of took me out of it a little bit but like i i love his flow i love the concept and i love that yeah like you said he's out of the spotlight and he's just going where his brain takes him yeah if being adventurous goes a long way great um yeah so um, shout out to everybody following this um yeah it's been awesome and hunt down these albums and enjoy what do you do tomorrow?